Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take podcast. I can't feel half of my face because I'm fresh off of a trip to the dentist. And I'm Endo Mills. How's it going? (laughs) And Endo's here with me to help carry the show for as long as it lasts because Endo, as we talked about just a few moments ago, Boy, I got a feeling once this wears off, I'm going to be in for a world of hurt. So uh, can... this show could be 20 minutes. This show could be an hour and a half. Who knows? Definitely. It's like a ticking timer. You never know. It's um, it's like a, it's literally RNG. Like We're just RNGing this podcast today because we have a lot Pretty to talk much. about. Uh, we do. It was a very, very busy weekend in the world of hockey. We're going to talk about kind of this, that, and everything that happened to go down. And we will get... Right down to business on today's show, because again, it's, who knows how long it will last, basically. <laughs> a friendly reminder, as always, though, right off the top, this show is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. You can use code Tuki at checkout for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping. Again, that is code Tuki at Manscaped.com. Whatever you need, they got you covered in the world of grooming. It doesn't matter if you need the lovely shampoo and body wash. It does not matter if you need circular deodorant. It does not matter if you need a nose or ear hair trimmer. If you need to shave your nuts, they got you covered for whatever you need. Go Doogie, Manscaped. 20% off, free worldwide shipping. Thank you, Manscaped. <laughs> and though this might be the most unfortunate transition we ever have to make. Yeah, I was about to make a joke, like, you nuts, you bush, and you tush, like, that kind of thing. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think you should work for them personally. To it. Yeah. Um, so, we didn't have time to add viewer questions today, because, again, I literally just got back from the damn dentist and had to mm-hmm. kind of compile what we were going to talk about today. And, yeah, the biggest story in the hockey world, there, there's no great way to transition off of talking about a male grooming product to the passing of, of you know, to, to someone's death. But mm-hmm. the biggest story last night, uh, Monday night at about just about 11 p.m. Eastern on the dot, the word came down that the owner of the Ottawa Senators, Eugene Melnick, had passed away at the age of 62 due to uh, an undisclosed illness. Now, I mean, obviously... Uh, the best way I sum I could think to sum it up on Twitter uh, was this. It is incredibly unfortunate to hear of his passing, but the first thing that comes to mind is immediately his his complicated legacy. Now, I will say, on this show today, talking about, oh, what's the future of the Sens? Will they be good now? I think that's crossing a line. Trying to question, oh, what might it have been that, that caused his death? That's crossing a line. But at the same time, while we are going to talk about the positives uh, from Eugene Melnick's life and his time as the owner of the Ottawa Senators, it wouldn't be doing his legacy justice in terms of not talking about the negative. Because, Endo, 24 hours ago, if I asked you about Eugene Melnick, there's a real good chance your answer wouldn't have been all that positive. It would have just been like, uh, it's kind of a, a bad owner, this story, that story... And now all of a sudden it's like, well, he died, so we can't talk about that. Mm. I I don't believe in that. And I'm not comparing him to this person and what this person did, but it's the same idea of, say, someone like Chris Brown. When he passes away, are we just never going to talk about the Rihanna stuff again? No, that's a part of his legacy. It is. It flat out is, and that will be a part of the conversation. I don't think you can talk about Eugene Melnick and his life without mentioning some of the negative. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, they do say not to speak ill on the dead. Um, typically right now it's a grieving period as well, but mm-hmm. you have to take into account both sides of everything. You can, you can criticize someone's actions and not be discriminatory. You can say that he yeah. has done good things and he has done bad things. This applies to everybody. Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah. has, has good stuff and everyone has their own demons that they're either fighting or they've had done. Um, I yes. feel like it is still fair to criticize someone but as long as it's constructive, I'm very, very open to the idea of being constructive criticism. You could say Eugene Melnick was very stingy in certain operations, not willing to pay players. But you could say he did have a heart of gold and he did whatever he could for that organization during his time of being here. Like, yeah, everyone has their I mean, own ideals terms, and views, right? So that's the way I yeah, that's like, roll. And that, that's why first, like, I wanted to talk about the positives because his legacy isn't entirely negative. Um, 
you know, uh, you look at a lot of billionaires in this world, and uh, I don't know how many of them do give back to the extent that Eugene Melnick did. He is the reason why the Ottawa Senators still exist. That is just a fact. There is a very, very good chance that had he not bought the team in the summer of 2003, uh, that they would have been moved because that team was facing bankruptcy and, yeah, very much could have ended up being moved. I do know um, of at least one guy, it's mentioned on on Wikipedia, um, but in, in terms of... You know, who who could have bought the team, who could have purchased the team. They easily, easily could have been moved had it not been Eugene Melnick, and he was the one to keep them there. And in his time as the owner of this team, they went to the 2007 Stanley Cup Final. Uh, They, you know, had some up-and-down periods of being competitive. Obviously, it wasn't all that long ago. I mean, five years ago now, but still, like, they went to the Eastern Conference Final almost made their way to the final over Pittsburgh and who knows what would have happened there. And honestly, when I think of the Sens and when I think of, you know, Eugene Melnick, like you can literally look, I mean, the the stories are out there about um, his philanthropic endeavors. I mean, literally there's a section of his Wikipedia page that mentions a lot and rightfully so. Um, God, just one of them donated $1 million to the Belmont Child Care Association for the uh, construction of a child care center at Belmont Park called Anna House. Like, just that idea of uh, giving back and, um, you know, he was a uh, director of a humanitarian organization that helped uh, children in orphanages, for God's sakes. And then I think of something that was a little bit more publicized and just how kind the senator's organization was uh, to Jonathan Petra and his family. Because that story was was very much out there before his uh, extremely unfortunate passing, I think, four years ago now. like the, When I think of the positives, that's what I think of. I don't think anybody um, can attempt to take away from the fact that Eugene Melnick was a very charitable person who did give back. I think trying to downplay that uh, would make you look rather foolish. You know, the the positive sides to him are certainly out there and well-established. Yeah. um, Like, you you see the work that he's done, not only is just being the owner of the Ottawa Senators, but the philanthropy and stuff he's doing to give back. That is... That's something that like you said before, not a lot of people in that like monetary bracket do that kind of stuff. Or if they do, not to the same extent that he has. I mean, 62 is a very young age for the pass at. And considering what he's stuffed that he's done already in his 62 years, imagine what he could have done even more. And like this team was also on the up and up as well, too, because because how many prospects they have coming through, contracts being signed. It's rather unfortunate. And um for for better or for worse of his actions, um, he will always have a space. will always have a space in not only just the Ottawa Senators but just the NHL in general. And there's been a lot of players, uh, current and former, uh, coming out and telling stories. I mean, uh, you know, Pierre Dorian spoke about him earlier today. Brady mm-hmm. Kachuk uh, spoke about him. Even Eric Carlson um, mentioning that while he and Eugene never had a conversation after he was traded to San Jose, uh, that Melnick still sent he and his wife flowers after their kids were born. So, I mean, it's just, it's the little things like that. Like, again, there is the negative side and we'll touch up on Mm -hmm. that here in a moment, but, um, you know, I agree with the, the statement that, in the majority of times, it's not just a black or white situation. You know, you can't necessarily paint people with broad strokes. That said, and it's an entirely different conversation, can people do certain things that maybe just kind of, like, push you towards filing someone in that situation? Sure. And there might be sense fans to be like, well, look at the negative. And, you know, prior to his passing, that's a conversation that I think a lot of people would have heard of. Like, yes, he's done this, this, and this, but there's also that. It's it's the duality of man, I do suppose. Uh, but there is a lot of positive to go off uh, when it comes to Eugene Melnick's legacy. And then you get to the flip side. This is a man that had a very contentious relationship 
uh, in the last couple years with the city of Ottawa, with Senators fans directly, with the media. Um, I don't know how many NHL owners, I think the quote was from around 2009, a reporter asked him about rebuilding the team, and the quote was something along the lines of anyone who thinks that I should rebuild this team should blow themselves up. Pretty sure that was the uh, that was the quote that was out there around 2009, and you could sit there and say, well, hey, how serious was he? But at the same time, you are the owner of a professional sports franchise, probably crossing the line on that. Um, he would often call out reporters. I think Ian Mendez was often at the uh, the brunt of. Uh, his aggressions towards towards the media, especially you know around 2015 and onward, where there were so many calls for sell the team, sell the team, sell the team. So many moments of him essentially threatening to move the team, and a lot of Sens fans feeling hard pressed by the fact that this was a man that was in need for a liver transplant, and a Sens fan stepped up in 2015. And helped him get this liver transplant. Right. And still in the following years, well, I might move the team. Like, how many moments were there on Hockey Night in Canada? Uh, wasn't the, There was the Heritage game, right? The outdoor game where he essentially was like, oh, we might move the team. Like, it was um, very, very contentious for Sens fans, which I think leads to, I mean, God, dude, there was crowdfunding for billboards to be put up by Sens fans to try and get him to sell the team. There was that super weird video with, like, here's Mark Borowiecki, and we're trying to win Sens fans. Contentious is the only word that that comes to mind. And like I said, I don't think that stuff can necessarily, you know, you could argue too soon to talk about it, but that that was Eugene Melnick. You know, it, it's the same thing of, like, I don't think you can just talk about the positives. I think you'd be making a mistake if you, um, you know, if you weren't to mention any of the positives, because there certainly were positives. But at the same side of the coin, you, you're not doing you're not doing the man's legacy justice. I mean, you presume he was okay with his legacy being what it was. Because he lived the life that he did, and he led the Senators as the owner of that franchise in the way that he did. So it's it's shocking. It's incredibly sad. And he does leave behind. I've used the word a lot, and I'll use it again. He does leave behind a very interesting, a very complicated legacy. But I think off of how he owned the Sens, he ran that team with the intent of making an impact on the hockey world. And in his passing... For better or worse, depending on the conversation, he did that. Yeah. Um, this really makes me uh, think about all the memes that... Uh, uh, I remember Utree uh, made a video about like the we're, we're a team video and how that team had to like rebuild and do all that stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like you see the actions that he's done there. But again, we go back to his humanitarian aspects and like does that really take away from what he's done? Uh, he may not have been like the greatest owner in the world, but he's at the end of the day, he's still human. And I think yeah. one of the things as well that people need to understand is these people that you belittle on social media and everything, they're still people at the end of the day. And they have feelings, they have all this stuff. I'm not saying like soften up, we just coddle everybody, but I'm saying like think twice before you say something bad about them because you never know what they're going to go through or what they have going on by themselves. I'm, I'm fair to, uh, basically critique him on his actions for the, how he ran the organization. But for him as a person with his morals and everything, I don't think it's, I think it's out of line a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I can understand some people having that mindset of like, okay, is it the right time to, to talk about it? But you talk about the man's life and you, you got to look at all aspects of it. And I, I think you're right. Like it's one of those things now that, we're all kind of out of the moment of focusing on bad sports owner, bad sports owner. And you start to think like, okay, well, he did save the team. Mm-hmm. He he did do so much um, within the, the, you know, the 
you know, within Ottawa, within, I mean, even the province of Ontario in general. Like, he he did a lot. He did a lot. And uh, I'll sum it up because, you know, it's such a tough situation to sit here and essentially have to eulogize somebody that, you know, was such a, a prominent figure within hockey. But he leaves um, he leaves a legacy is the best way to put it. And it's, it is. It's sad. It's very, very sad to hear of his passing. I don't think, you know, I... Barring a few crazies out there, I don't think any Sens fan would have been like, okay, yeah, I want to change in ownership. I didn't want the man to have to pass away to get a potential change in direction. Right. So, um, you know, obviously it, it's it's customary, it's standard, but genuinely like to, you know, his family, his friends, anybody impacted by this. And that's the thing. There's a lot of people that were impacted in a positive way because Eugene Melnick um, had the platform that he did and accomplished what he did in his life. So we'll leave it at that. And we'll talk about some of the things that happened in the hockey world over the course of, uh, of course, this past Friday, all the way up uh, until uh, Monday night. And on Monday night, Mr. Rendo Mills, the PHF held their finals, uh, aired on ESPN2 here in the United States, where the Boston Pride, the Boston Pride... The bo- oh no, my jersey's stuck on a hanger. <laughs> no, no, come here, come here. There we go. We are doing this for those on the video portion of this show. Love it. The Boston Pride won their second consecutive Isabel Cup because the city of Boston and all of New England had such a drought going for professional sports championships that it's about damn time. So shout out to the Pride for winning their second consecutive title again, beating the Connecticut Whale. That said, I heard a lot of people just being like, man, I barely saw this advertised. And I'm just it was like, not Ugh. advertised at all. And then the other thing, too, is um, World Hockey Report on Twitter uh, mentioned this. And I want to talk about it because it's, it's actually really interesting. They said the best way for you to advertise your hockey like league is to not have them play their final in a community rink. Now... Mm. Here's the thing about this. One, it seems like a backhanded compliment, but two is you are the PHF. You're trying to mm-hmm. reach out and branch out and advertise us more than you can of anything. This is the biggest hockey, this is the biggest event in women's hockey in North America, if not the world. You have to put on a spectacle for this. I can go look at the PHWPA who were having single like exhibition games. Inside of like Madison Square Garden, like over mm-hmm. like bigger like NHL size arenas, and their biggest thing was getting them into a community size rink. Like maybe that's like a budgeting thing. I don't know. But personally, if you're gonna have the biggest stage for these girls to play on, these women to play on, excuse me, and they should be at the biggest event possible. Maybe this wasn't in the plans originally, but there has to be some sort of workaround for them to, to go to do something with it. Because I know they had, uh, I think it was either PHF or PHWPA, had an outdoor game at, uh, I think it was the day before the Heritage Classic, when it was Toronto mm-hmm. against, against uh, Buffalo, and Toronto got their ass kicked. I believe it was the PHF, because a good friend of mine, uh, Tara Hoffman, who plays goalie for the uh, Toronto Six, uh, she, I believe she posted a setup of her playing outside with like a toque on her helmet and everything at the arena. So I think it was the PHF, but you, you have to market that better. It's the biggest grandest event, whether it's getting more paying even more for sponsorships or paying even more for advertising or getting a bigger arena. Like you got to do something with that. I believe the game was also broadcasted on Twitch. I'm not really sure, uh, but they do have that deal with Twitch to broadcast some games on that platform as well. Maybe that would have done a little bit better to have an option with ESPN and Twitch. Maybe that was the case. I'm not really sure exactly on the whole thing. But playing your biggest event in, in a community-sized arena, like, I mean, there are junior-level like level players who are playing, like major junior who sell it more than that. There are fucking, hmm. like, uh, what's it called? Junior C arenas fill up more than that. Yeah. Like, do you see if what I kind of mean? If your rink looks like an EASHL starter rink on, on a national broadcast... It's it's a rough look. Yeah. At the same time, like the on ice product is solid, despite of course missing half of the best players in the world, who are uh, with the players' association. Of course, it's just 
it, it's a step, but at the same time, you see certain aspects that are missing, and you're just like, it's just not, it's just not where you you think it could be at this stage. And of course, we talked about it a few weeks ago, the idea of like, okay. Uh, the PHF and the PWHPA are going to meet and apparently try to talk things out. The NHL, the NHL continue to try to push these two sides to be like, please come to an agreement, please. And yeah, you look at a moment like this, and again, the on ice product is great. I'm personally very happy with the result. I have another championship T-shirt to uh, to order after last year's. There you Hooray! Go. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's not the best look for the PHF, and at the same time, I sit here and wonder. I still, it's completely off topic. The PHF name, I still think was just a horrible decision. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it either. I don't like it at all. Like, I should have. I don't, I don't like the change. And like their socials didn't move over the uh, the the PHF. I don't think. I think that their Instagram is still NWHL Zone. Like I'm not really sure what's going on with that with the whole rebrand. Like either that, it took a really really long time for things to switch over. Like. Yeah, the, I get Twitter, big... the Twitter's been switched over at the very least. But yeah. like I said, I understand and respect the idea of being like, oh, hey, it, well, it just you don't have to have women's league in the title to know it's a women's league. But at the same time, you know, it's, uh, it's worked out for the WNBA. Yep. <laughs> like, why not take these cues from you know, a, a successful, you know, a successful league that's in the same market that you are mm-hmm. in terms of marketing women's sports. But yeah, again, like it's the on ice product is the least of the concerns. Um, shout out to Katie Burt for the pride. who was incredible, but yeah, just, uh, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. On one hand, you're like, okay, this is, this is awesome. But on the other, the other side of things, I just, I can't, it, it's kind of the conversation that we just had. Look at the positives of the situation, but the negatives of the situation also really stand out. I completely agree. I just saw something break on Twitter. I think we're going to talk about it on Friday when more of it comes out. Uh, can I talk about it briefly by Rick, Rick Westhead? I know exactly where you're going to go about it, and we'll hold off until Friday, I think, Perfect. because it is still kind of breaking at this point. Yeah, uh, I thought you were going to mention the fact that the Bruins and the Leafs are about to drop the puck here in a few minutes. In oh, the that, that, is, the that is, I just saw that. You know what's funny? I was right on top of the fucking, I was on top of the post as well. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll move on. We'll yeah. move on. But, again, uh, definitely wanted to mention that kind of towards the, the top of the show in one of our bigger stories because uh, it was, and, again, if you missed it, Try to get more involved. Put in that effort to follow the league. And, again, try to get this. help. Do what you can as a fan of the sport to try and get this league to where it's got to be. Even if it is ordering a jersey. Which, yes, like I did. That NWHL logo is out of date already. But you know what? Still love this jersey. Still love the pride. Didn't they change their logo and everything like mid-season? Um, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> I think it was like mid-season. Like, yeah, we're the PHF. Everyone went, Okay. But the one thing that is cool, that they do have trading cards now. I think it's through Upper Deck. Mm. That is actually pretty sick. I'm going to go get Tara to sign a few of them. So that way when she wins yeah. the Isabel Cup, I can just like sell them off real quick. <laughs> I don't know. The past the past year or so of the, the PHF has just been very, very bizarre. A yeah, lot especially of with the commissioner sure. just kind of going, yeah, I'm out, peace. Maybe that was part of the reason why with the arena and everything. Because like Heritage Game, beautiful. But again, you, you can't. I mean, you can, but I think it would look better if, you know, their their big event, at least, was not in the community size arena. Just just my mm. hot take. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to talking about what was day one of the NHL GM meetings, and we'll Ooh. we'll kick things off with, with this kind of pair of, of, of conversations here. Uh, Alan Walsh mentioned on Twitter, of course, he is... Uh, an agent and also has his own podcast, so I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, heard the NHL's consistently horrible officiating and egregiously missed calls were a, quote, hot topic at day one of the NHL GM meetings today. The NHL kicked off the discussion by reminding GMs that anyone who publicly criticizes the officiating will be severely fined. That's when you know they, they know it's an issue without having you to say at all. It's like, hey, listen, we know, okay? Zip it. Z- zilch. To the zero. <laughs> to the point where Kyle Dubas was asked about it at a, a press conference earlier today, and he essentially just smiles. 
Uh, he was asked about the standard of officiating in the league, and he just basically smiled. He's like, everything's great with the officiating. <laughs> I don't know what you're he talking can't about. say anything. Yeah, you can't. You're not allowed. You're literally not allowed to criticize the officiating. 1984. 1984. You can't speak. Censorship. Oh God, just man. I I I don't even know. I don't even know. It's like obviously, like you said, the NHL knows it's a problem. Clearly, thank mm. God. At least they're not so head in the sand that they don't understand that it's a massive, massive issue. At the same time, I get their viewpoint of like, okay, we don't need our GMs and coaches reminding everyone how bad it is. But at the same time, severely fined if you publicly criticize the officiating is just hilarious. Say with it is max allowable under the current CBA. (laughs) Come on. Pretty much. Uh, as well, Pierre Lebrun tweeted this out. GMs have officially been told by the league that the salary cap is going up by $1 million to 82.5 for next season. So, again, anybody that had these massive hopes of them being on the trajectory that they were prior to the pandemic, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. Again, we all kind of knew this. NHL owners took a pretty big financial hit to keep the league up and running during the pandemic, and they want to recoup. And they will. You know what this means? Mm. The Leafs can pave Spezza $1 million for another year, baby. Another year of Jason Spezza and his fucking weird go. laugh. Oh, man. This was from Frank Saravalli as well, if I'm not mistaken. The NHL reiterated that the projection is the $1 billion debt held by the players uh, will be repaid to the owners by the end of the 2024-2025 season. So, again, if the players pay off that debt that they incurred essentially to allow the league to play, um, 2025-2026 will be the first season that the salary cap could rise significantly as, again, was projected before the pandemic. Which is very interesting because right now, currently projected UFA is for that offseason. Mitch Marner, Leon Dreisaitl, Miko Rantanen, Aaron Ekblad, Nikolai Ellers, Victor Hedman, Igor Shosturkin, Jacob Chikrin. Uh, there are some people who are going to get fucking paid in four years' time if this projection holds and they get back on track towards being able to raise the salary cap. When does McDavid's contract go up? <laughs> if you ask him, the answer's not soon enough. Oh my god. <laughs> Poor guy. I was looking at some of the uh the analytics from the athletic today, and they're showing that like right now Austin Matthews, not to be a leaf homer right now, but they're playing they're saying that like Austin Matthews is like outperforming Connor McDavid, which is it's not really that hard when Connor McDavid isn't that good defensively. He's not like bad. But he's like, yeah. like they're saying like on his like trajectory, he's like star, like everything is like star level, and everything on like mm-hmm. McDavid's is like star level, except for defensively, it's just like mid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But if Austin Matthews has as good of a higher rating than Connor McDavid, I'm a I'm a Leafs fan, as I've learned from my comment section apparently. Um, <laughs> in terms of NHL 22, um, worth noting, Connor McDavid's deal ends the year after. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl's. So, yeah, he'd also be kind of in that window of getting paid a lot. And as well, two other notes here. Bill Daly, this is from Frank Saravalli. Uh, Bill Daly says the NHL is drafting an agreement with the NHLPA to create a database between the league's central registry and the union for no trade list to be filed in an effort to avoid a future situation that unfolded with Evgeny Dadanoff last week. How is that not already a thing? How? Like it the, defies logic. I, I, I don't understand it anymore. It, see, this this is proof that, like, no matter your credentials or whatever you have, you could make it big and completely overlook something like this. This is, like, like come on, man. Like, how do you not use cap-friendly? How do you not use general fanager or any other stuff that's already available to the to the public? To the, to the, the, like, come on. I, I honestly are they gonna get I rid of like the calling know. in kind of thing? Is it gonna be like through email or whatever the fuck? Or I don't know. They have a whole thing where the, the GMs have to be present at a meeting, like kind of like what they're doing right now, and then they discuss mm-hmm. that way. Like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, I would be fine with that. 
Imagine they mm. make this a televised event and where they all the GMs go like in, I don't know, some sort of like cafe or whatever they rent it out and they're all sitting down with their lattes and overly spreads of like pumpkin spices or whatever the fuck they drink. I don't know. And they just kind of chill. And they're like, all right, yo, give me fucking ranting in for like two firsts and like your mom's like breast batch bake the cookies. Like, all right, cool. And they shake <laughs> on it and they sign off on it in person. That way you could avoid this kind of thing. Or, I don't know, you stuff that's already available? Just a thought. You want to make money? This is how you make money. Get TV. Come on. I know Mills ranting away. I like to see it. Uh, the final me. thing that was mentioned as well from Pierre Lebron, Bill Daly, also says the next World Cup of Hockey, which is scheduled for 2024, won't have a team North America nor a team Europe. The event will go back to a traditional field with countries only. So Belarus is going to have like three people? <laughs> yeah, I'm intrigued to see how they bring like, in. I'm intrigued to see how they bring in certain people. At the same time, I'm almost okay with there not being an under 23 team because, I mean, come on. Like, what are the odds you have players the caliber of like Matthews and McDavid on the same team at the same time to, you know, to really kind of make that team that much more interesting? Okay, but hear me out. That goal by Nathan McKinnon, that whole, that whole play with the save by Gibson and the play up there by absolutely digging the crap out of Henrik Lundqvist, like the. Like he got embarrassed so hard, like he almost made me forget that he was a part of that that uh, that uh, that fucking what's the franchise uh, the the Rangers, like that that embarrassment right there was like you you literally cannot help this guy out. Granted, like they ended up moving on, I think, because of points and all that system. But that was arguably the greatest moment in World Cup of Hockey history. I don't care what could happen. Someone could hit the fucking Michigan in the next one that's upcoming. I don't care. This is the most iconic moment ever. Done. I mean, I enjoyed the tournament for what it was at the very least. I think it'll kind of uh, still, you know, be a, a stable part of hockey lore. At the end of the day, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I really give a shit about the World Cup of Hockey. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, it's a fun thing. Uh, it's pretty much where you leave it. It's just a fun thing that yeah. they do when they don't go to the Olympics. It'd be really cool if it, like, replaced, if it replaced the uh, preseason. Like, if it was, like, if mm. you get picked to select, you can do the preseason for there. If you don't, you do the regular preseason games, like training camp and all that. Like it'd be it'd be really cool to have an extra dynamic. At the same time, I think it, you know I don't think teams would go for it because star players are risking injury, and then obviously you don't get the stories of random dudes making it out of camp that uh, could make it otherwise. So fair enough. It's 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 a weird spot to be in with that particular tournament, but hey, they are planning on bringing it back. So I'm sure there'll be more news throughout the weeks from these meetings, but already quite a bit to talk about. From there, just some random stuff that happened over the weekend to kind of uh, kind of round out this particular show. Wanted to mention the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury got his first win for the team. But he also pretty much confirmed that the Washington Capitals were interested and that he refused to go uh, solely because he didn't want to play for a Penguins rival. Which, again, I still think is exactly what happened with Claude Giroux not wanting to go to Boston or to the New York Rangers. Yeah, uh, it shows you the loyalty that uh, Flurry has uh, for not only just the the Penguins. They they gave him a shot. Like originally, they 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 drafted him. They brought him up, and were like, you know, you're gonna be our guy. Um, hmm. And then I I really don't think the Penguins wanted to lose Flurry um, at all. But I guess it just kind of had to happen. Like you had Matt Murray ready to go. Tristan Dry was ready to go. Um, but. At the end of the day, that's what happens. Uh, it's big, big loyalty. Um, people are already saying that Fleury's number deserves to be retired on the rafters for that. Um, that comment, maybe I don't know. He's won three cups. Oh, he'll have his number retired. Yeah, he'll for like sure. regardless. He's gonna be a legend there, if not gonna be in the Hockey Hall of Fame because amazing yeah. career. Uh, also, uh, they the Wild themselves played a pretty damn good game against Colorado. Uh, it's pretty much impossible for them to meet in round one, but hopefully we get a playoff series between those two teams. That would be amazing. And Kirill Kaprizov became just the second player in Wild history to score 80 points in a season. Um, Marion Gabarik was the other one, 83 points in 07-08. So mm. Kaprizov this season, barring injury, uh, will set the record for most points in a season as a member of the Minnesota Wild. Nobody... <laughs> <laughs> Nobody over that 80, uh, 83 point mark in their team history. It's kind of crazy, kind of like the Nashville thing 
that's one of the other uh, stats that are out there uh, towards the uh, middle of our run- towards the bottom of our run sheet here that was mentioned that Roman Yossi became just the second player in Preds history to record at least eighty points in the season, joining Paul Correa, mm. who had eighty five points in 0506. Makes you think Minnesota that, like, and Nashville. What the hell have they been doing this whole time? <laughs> yeah, it makes you think that both of those teams haven't really had a standout like forward. Well, mm. Minnesota's always had kind of like. There's like always oh, like like a few guys like it was like Zach Parise and like Brian Suter and now they're gonna have like the key like star player, uh for example with um Nashville, their their star players in Pekarene, and yeah, like Roman Pekarene, Shea Weber, yeah, like their their star forward for uh God for years and years and years, uh, it was like David Legwant. For God's sake. They're going to say Rocco Grimaldi. I mean, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, dude, David Legwan to this day is still the all-time leading scorer on that team. Roman Yossi will pass him next season. Yeah. Like, but even third, do you know? Okay, here we go. Why not? Uh, top 10 all-time scorers for the Preds. It's hilarious. Uh, you, ha- you have four defensemen in the top 10. <laughs> what? Here are- yes. <laughs> So number one is David Legwand with 566 points. Right. Yossi's second at 527. Then in third, you care to guess who's third all-time in Pred scoring? Fucking Philip Forsberg? I don't know. No, he's fourth, though, so good good work. <laughs> he's fourth already. Shea Weber. Um, Shea Weber's fifth, so not bad. I don't know. Fucking. Think uh, meme. Think meme? Was he traded a lot? Ah, uh, he was traded once for a player you already mentioned. <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say Volteri Fipula. I don't know. I was gonna say Fipula. No, no. Martin uh, Erat, who e- was traded for Erat. Philip Forsberg. Yeah, he's third all time in Pred scoring still. <laughs> <laughs> Sixth oh is current Bruin Craig Anderson. Uh, Craig Anderson. Craig Smith. Seventh, Ryan Johansson. Is no seventh all time in scoring for the Preds already. That's ridiculous. Then you have Kimo Timonen, Ryan Ellis, and rounding out the top ten is JP Dumont. What a weird list. I mean, it is kind of like it's still like a new franchise, technically. And I mean, yeah, they've been around for what, twenty almost twenty five years. Yeah, more than I've been around. Jeez. And then Minnesota. I had to look at their top ten too to, to prove your point. Uh, Miko Koivu, first all-time. Right. We knew that. Of course, just had his number retired a few weeks ago. Then Gabarik, Parise, Suter. At fifth, it's Pierre-Marc Bouchard, <laughs> who was a it was a video game goat for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, Jared Spurgeon, Andrew Brunette, Mikhail Granlund. I don't even really, like, he played 461 games to the Wild. I barely remember him there because, I mean, he just moved on recently. Yeah. Uh, Jason Zucker and Charlie Coyle. 11th is Eric Stahl. <laughs> like, it's I, it's one of those things, it's like, what the hell were these teams doing for so many years? Just weird no, stuff, man. Makes no sense, like... Oh, and yeah, the puck drop, puck did drop for the Leaf, Leaf uh, Bruins game. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm keeping an eye on it. Um, um, other random tidbits. Uh, shout out to Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, 500th career NHL point, hit 500 points in 589 games, which is impressive because his shoulder is, like, full-on Terminator. <laughs> like, just... It's just fully robotic at this point. But the Blues are currently in a playoff spot and have a decent chance of making the postseason. Whereas Montreal does not, they became the first team officially eliminated from playoff contention. The Coyotes are out. I think the Kraken are out. The Flyers, if they lose to Minnesota tonight, will also officially be out. So uh, we are getting uh, to that point where you're getting the confirmation of who's not going to be there and these teams lining up for the top draft rights, the number one pick. Who uh, Who will successfully tank for Shane Wright? We'll find out very soon. Yeah. Uh... The Vegas Golden Knights beat the Chicago hockey team after coming back uh, from 3-0 down in the third period. Uh, Evgeny Dodonov, it was the first ever 3-0 comeback for the Vegas Golden Knights entering the third period. Evgeny Dodonov scores the overtime winning goal 
And I do know the top, you know, r slash hockey on Reddit always has their meme Monday. And uh, the person who won today uh, was correct. It's it's the meme of Mo from The Simpsons throwing Barney out the front door and he just appears back by anyway. <laughs> Like that is the Evgeny Dodonov situation where he's just like, I'm still, I'm still here, I'm still here, and it's honestly a pretty, it's a pretty damn good thing that he's still there because he might just give that team enough momentum to kind of make it to where they want to go. Definitely, I think it's a big, it's 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 the biggest. Um, I want to call it buyer's remorse because it's like we could have just we it's like we fucked up so bad that if we got this deal right, we would have fucked up even worse. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I do believe they were able to take Alex Martinez off of uh, off of waivers, or not waivers, LTIR. God, imagine Alex Martinez on waivers. That would be ridiculous. Oh, boy. <laughs> LTIR. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Franklin learns about Capster Convention. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite fucking meme, where it's just like a picture of Franklin the Turtle, uh, if, if you guys aren't aware of it. Franklin the Turtle. Um the kid's character, kid's like child book character sitting on the bed. And it's just like, it's like Franklin learns how to circumvent cat via LTIR. And it's the greatest meme. Greatest. Uh, other random stuff. Screw it. Let's talk about the Leafs really quickly. Um, uh, they lost to the Habs on Saturday. There was the Paul Byron moment, but they did beat the Florida Panthers on Sunday. Uh, basically they have a good record against good teams and a bad record against bad teams. But, Austin Matthews scored his 48th of the season, and Mitch Marner became the 15th players in Le- uh, 15th player in Leafs history to record 300 assists and is the fastest to do it in 411 games, passing the mark of 469 previously set by Borja Salming. Let's trade My him. My takeaway, yeah, well, that's the thing. My takeaway from the Leafs weekend, first and foremost, the, the loss to the Habs, just kind of unfortunate. You got goal lead, basically. They beat the Panthers, which is hilarious. Matthews is unbelievable, and everybody should apologize to Mitch Marner. Yeah, now it's trade Nylander. I'm surprised it's not trade JT. I, I what do you mean I, it's trade Nylander? It's trade Nylander again. Yeah, it's just... It's like every boomer in this godforsaken city, and I'm going to say it, they just they just love to, to get rid of to put William Nylander on the spotlight because I'm holding out for his contract and getting paid. Meanwhile, he has probably the best value of a contract on that franchise right now, even if even if Austin Matthews is scoring crazy shit ton of goals. Like, and it makes no sense to me why you want to chip away William Nylander when he's doing a lot better than he has done before. Like, you guys need to calm down and go back to eating your fucking Quaker Oats in the morning while you yell at your wife. Come on. Have some rice cakes, you fuck. Shut up. <laughs> uh, we talked about the Leafs, so we'll mention the Bruins real quick, too. Obviously, again, they're playing right now. Uh, Peter Morazic's in goal, so hopefully another win for the Bruins, who uh, are 14-2-1 in their last 17 games. The Bruins are crushing it lately. Um, yeah, I know. Morazic uh, looked decent over the uh, in in the Panther game, right? If I'm not mistaken, in the game I think before it was the that, Panther game and Colin and, yeah. Blackwell just scored. So fuck me. Yeah. Good luck, <laughs> Colin Blackwell, the the feistiest <sighs> five foot nine player that the Toronto Maple Leafs have ever seen, because he was throwing around his body like crazy when I went to go see him at the Next Generation game. Oh my god, it was ridiculous. Just flying around there like a fucking pinball. Colin pin, Pinball Blackwell works. To cheer me up, Chicago was up four to nothing on Buffalo on the weekend and lost six to five. <laughs> Get a new owner. Uh, the New York Rangers needed to shout out Frankie Vitrana had two goals in eighteen seconds against the Sabers. Damn. He's fitting in pretty well there. And Chris Kreider is apparently on pace for about fifty six goals. <laughs> wow. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain how the hell Chris Kreider is having the season he's having. This is ridiculous. Like, Matthew's on pace for 60. This is overall. I can't wait to see it. Dude, he's already like a 91 or a 92 on my custom rosters. He has to be. Man, he's you know what'll ridiculous. You know what'll hey, suck. David Posternock just scored. We're tied at one. God damn Hooray. God Let's damn. date this podcast. Peter, we gave Bam. you two games. We put you on waivers. This is what you do to me. You come to me on the day <sighs> of my daughter's wedding, and this is what you do to me. Come on. 
Oh, God. Well, let's also mention the Calgary Flames beating the Edmonton Oilers 9-5 on the weekend. All nine goals for the Flames to even strength. Johnny Goodrow had five assists. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl became the first player to have a hat trick and a plus-minus of minus four or worse in the same game since John Anderson did so for the Leafs back in January of 1983. <laughs> hey, listen, I wasn't around for that. I can't feel that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bad. Flames have... God, dude, the Flames have four 30-goal scorers this season. Uh, last time they did that was 93-94. Of course, those four this season are Lindholm, Kachuk, Goodrow, and Manjapani. Nice. Um, yeah, the Flames, I mean, you could sit there and say, oh, well, they allowed five goals, but they ripped them apart offensively. Like, my God, did the Oilers look like shit. Yeah. Especially trying to defend the rush. I have... Like, look, I still have some confidence in the Flames, despite a rough performance. I have no confidence whatsoever in the Edmonton Oilers come playoff time. Zero. Yeah, I take that. I take back the comments that I said last time when I we were talking about the, uh, like, oh, you think Edmonton's going to do well? Yeah, after this game, no. Are you kidding me? Like, like it, it, it still feels like it's the, like, no matter what they do, it feels like it's the McDavid Dreisaitl show. They're gonna have to get rid of some some of that talent over there around them. Or I so I'm surprised if next season McDavid doesn't ask to leave. Cause like what what do you do? Like You know what you do? You get a Vander Kane and he takes four penalties in less than eight minutes against the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> How is that possible? It's li- <laughs> it's literally <laughs> the Mo and Barney meme from The Simpsons, where the penalty box attendant throws Amanda Kane out, and he's right back in behind him. Oh, it's fucking perfect. Oh, God. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. You can take a cane out of, Sa- of San Jose, but you can't take the San Jose out of Kane. Couple other quick things to mention here as we wrap up this show. I still can't feel parts of my face. It's great. That's good. Um, Elias Pettersson scored his 20th of the season for the Canucks. He became the first player from that 2017 draft class to record 200 points in his career. Nico Heischer at uh, 193, so seven points shy. Kale McCarr, Robert Thomas, Nick Suzuki round out the top five. So. Uh, shows how dominant Elias Pettersson was super early on because a lot of the hype around him has kind of died off in the past season or two. Yeah, um, I mean, that team in general has kind of struggled. So, like, do you blame it on just the team trying to find its, like, bearings? Or is it just, like, a player being overhyped or underperforming itself? Like, Hmm. makes you think. Oh, my God. Did Peter Morazic? Oh, Peter Morazic just got hurt. Oh, no. No! No! What do you mean? We we should record every podcast during a Bruins Leafs game. What do you mean? What do you mean he just got hurt? Uh Uh-huh. Where where did he get hurt? His heart? I don't know. I'm trying. Yeah, (laughs) your heart's hurt. Oh, fuck. Uh, Here here comes Eric Schalgren and uh, uncertainty around Peter Mrazek, who is hopefully okay. That that sucks. As much of a meme as it is to talk about his struggles, like you don't like to see anybody get hurt. Okay, what exactly? Um, what exactly happened? I don't know. Like no, like even people on Twitter are like, "What the hell happened?" Did he just like? Oh, and live tweet from Steve Dangle: absolute unending nightmare of a season for Mrazek. How do you not feel for him? All the it's comments true. just wow. Good God, you just got to feel for him. The way he ran, I think he needs the shit. <laughs> Oh my god. God, what the fuck? Oh cool, the goal is hurt. Uh let's see if Chicklets has anything of all of all people. I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. And again, hopefully we don't have to talk about an injury. Uh last thing I did want to talk about though was the injury to the Detroit Red Wings as they lost to Pittsburgh eleven to two. Uh, the Penguins became the first team to score 11 goals in a single game in the salary cap era and the first team to do it since the 03 Washington Capitals, which is shocking. Because the 2003 Washington Capitals sucked ass. Yep. I mean, just that era of the Caps. Well, actually, you know what? The 0203 team was decent. I think that was the team to do it. 
Uh, but it was a squad led. I mean, ah, Yager was still there. Okay, it was the year after because I think Yager left that they ended up falling off a cliff. They actually had a decent team at that point. Um, and I believe in that game, Evgeny Malkin, it might have been the game after, tied um, Sergei Fedorov for the most assists in NHL history by a Russian born player. Obviously, Gino, Hall of Fame bound at the end of his career. But. Um, for Detroit, they became the first team since 1995-96 to allow 10 goals twice in the same season. Um, the three most recent 10-goal-against games were all against Detroit, including, again, two of them this year. And they have had games this season where they have given up zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and 11 goals against. Did you watch the game? Did you watch the highlights? They got pooped on. I do not understand how they don't fire Blashill. Because you can be bad. Sens fans know this. Sabres fans know this. Leaf fans but you at least need the team you at least need the team to try. Uh, I mean, Jesus. Like, how do you how do you get pooped on that badly? I, I have no idea. Like it's I watched the highlights and it was just completely dominant. They put in hmm. fucking Calvin Pickard in and he looked out of place. Like he just was not there positionally at all. Like mm-hmm. I was watching, like, like I w- I'll watch games and highlights just to watch like goalie breakdowns and see like where the angling could have been and how they get better. And he was just all over the place. Like we talked about Peter Mrazek, uh, God bless your soul, but about how he's like he can't find the post, but he couldn't find the crease. Like mm. crosses around, like he's it looked like his pads were on too tight and it was a bit too stiff and tight, so he had limited movement in the skates and his legs. Um, like, I don't know what else, like, I can say about that. He did not look, he did not look comfortable, and that whole team just, just fell apart. So, an interesting weekend in the hockey world. We will look to wrap things up here, a bit of a shorter show, but again, when I can't feel my face, there's only so much I can do. It's been almost three hours since I got out of the damn chair and I can't feel my face. (laughs) Shit sucks. Well, we're both going to go watch some hockey, but Endo, uh, before you do that, tell the people, what are you up to lately? Uh, I'm streaming every day. Uh, typically, it's uh, now it's early mornings and maybe afternoons. Uh, you try to get one stream a day, either two streams, so I have some more content to fuel over to the YouTube side of things, which hopefully is going to be coming in May- April. I've been putting it off so much, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, I do have new merch as well on my website, uh, endomills.ca, and you can also find me on Twitch, endomills. And all that. I appreciate everyone giving me up to 666, the devil, the creepy devil number of follows. And it's only all it's only only up from here. So that's where you can check me out. There you go. And again, everybody, uh, for those that gave uh, to charity this past weekend, I thank you all very much. I've run three charity streams on Twitch, and we've raised $20,000 over the course of three different charity streams. Uh, that's that's fucking crazy. For uh, what we've what we've based uh, what we do off of, so a gigantic thank you there. Uh, still streaming every night, at least into uh, into April again. Eventually there'll be a vacation there, but baseball's out on Friday. Until then, it's a bunch of Fortnite and F one, baby. It's been a fun time. <laughs> Endo, good luck to the Leafs. I'll talk to you later tonight. We'll see everybody this Friday with Mister Sin for the win back here with us. Good night, everybody. Peace.